Locked On Giants, your daily New York Giants podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, New York Giant fans, and welcome to a new edition of Locked On Giants, part of the Locked On Podcast family, your team every day. Patricia Trainer here with you. It is Monday, March 23rd, 2020, brand new week. Week two of the free agency period. And on today's show, we are going to do a program where we're just going to kind of recap what the Giants have done in free agency, talk about where their openings are, where they still have some needs. And then we're going to transition over to the draft. And to help me do all that is a first time guest and someone who I'm really excited to have on the program. His name is Nick Filato, and he is actually a writer for me at GiantsCountry.com. He also contributes to Big Blue View. He's really, really good. If you have not checked out his stuff, do yourself a favor. Pop on over to GiantsCountry.com. Read some of his stuff. You will come away very, very, you know, a lot smarter. I know I have since reading his stuff. Nick, thank you so much for coming on the program with me. Hey, Pat, thanks so much for having me. I'm really excited to come here and talk shop with a legend such as yourself. (laughs) Uh, Flattery will get you everywhere, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right, Nick, let's jump right into it. Um, By now, we know what the Giants have done in free agency. Now, again, I just want to stress to to those listening, the Giants haven't officially announced the moves because of, you know, unfortunately, the COVID uh, pandemic. Free agents aren't allowed to travel to take physicals, and until they can take physicals and sign the contracts, they are not official. But you know, it's pretty, pretty much you know headed towards that direction. Nick, let me get your overview on what the Giants have done in free agency, and not just the new additions they brought in, but the guys they brought back and the decision to franchise tag Leonard Williams. Yeah, so the Giants had an ample amount of cap space, and that was gone like it was nothing. But you have to look at some of the needs of this team, and they addressed those needs. Now, were it the players that – was it the players that all the fans wanted? That could be a question mark because Twitter, you know, the vile place that Twitter is, some people disagree with some of the moves. But I want to go through some of these guys. First off, you got James Bradbury, cornerback, signed three years, $45 million, $32 million guaranteed. I mean, the Giants added a very talented, smart, young cornerback here. I mean, yes, he's a familiar face for Dave Gettleman, who selected Bradbury back in the second round of the 2016 draft out of Samford, not Stanford, Samford. But uh, Bradbury, I mean, he was the number one guy for the Panthers. He would shadow the likes of Michael Thomas, Mike Evans, Julio Jones. He played those guys six times a year in the NFC South, and that's a murderer's row. In 2019, he faced 81 targets and allowed 48 receptions. And he surrendered two touchdowns for 647 yards, also added nine passes defensed and three picks in 2019. Now, those numbers are pretty solid, especially when you think about the players that he went up against. I believe just from my film study, I did breakdowns for both Big Blue View and your wonderful site, a Giants Country. Uh, they're getting an excellent zone cover corner because he has a high football IQ. He does an excellent job of reading route combinations and seeing routes develop in front of him. Again, if you watch that film, you can see Bradbury react to underneath routes, click and close fast downhill on those routes, disrupt at the catch point with jarring hits coming downhill, or by just getting his arms and hands to force uh, incompletions at that catch point. I mean, like I like to say, he sees through routes. 
and is able to read the quarterback's eyes. And he has the athletic traits, the foot speed, the hips that allow him to stay in phase and mirror receivers and man coverage, which he'll have to do a lot in Patrick Graham's system. So that's a really good thing that he has the capabilities of playing man coverage. And I just love what he offers at the catch point too. I mean, he uses his length, awareness, instincts, physicality to just absolutely sunder the receiver from the ball and he's just a nuisance in that respect and he's rarely out of position and run support he doesn't olay tackles like some former giants who used to play the cornerback position i mean he'll get pulled over by running back from time to time but i i love the fact that he ensures he's where he needs to be and not all corners do that and again he's not, he's not the fastest cornerback in the world but he has enough speed to guard number ones. So I really like that signing. I feel like it's going to ease the transition for DeAndre Baker to learn a new defensive system and it allows Baker to not have that pressure of guarding the number one receivers game in and game out. I mean, if Baker develops as we hope, and I feel like he should, he showed a lot of promise late in the year, the Giants will have a really good young corner tandem. I mean, Bradbury's only 26 years old. He'll be 27 at the beginning of the season, and his contract is front-loaded. So if he thinks, which would suck, then the Giants could just cut bait for him with little to no cap by year three. Uh, to me, it's a smart signing by Gettleman. Fills a need at a reasonable price for a player that is entering his prime. I mean, it's under the radar type of addition. I don't feel like it's getting the hubbub of a lot of other free agent signings, but I feel like it can have a really big impact for the future of this team. And then there's Blake Martinez, three year, 30 million. And I mean, it got hammered on Twitter. And uh, I mean, I know a lot of people want that athletic type of linebacker. But I think people are undervaluing what Martinez can do, which is what we all should be looking at. What can this player do? Martinez does have a lot to offer. He was heralded in Green Bay for his leadership. He was the defensive signal caller for that defense. He's a significant upgrade over Alec Ogletree, in my opinion, after I watched the film. It's not even close. Martinez has a very good ability to key and diagnose blocking schemes almost instantaneously while maintaining gap discipline and almost, I guess, simultaneously playing a game of cat and mouse with the running back. And I guess I'll explain that. What, what I mean by that is like during zone running plays, a linebacker can bait running backs who are waiting for their blocks to develop. And if the linebacker has good linemen who can kind of keep him clean, which the Giants do have, the linebacker can use his patience and positioning to make a running back who's usually decisive indecisive. And that little hesitation goes a long way. And that requires high mental processing. That's something that Martinez possesses. I mean, he played Dom Capers, Mike Pettin's 3-4 Eagle-type defenses, which usually leads to high tackle numbers for the Mikes. I see a lot of people saying that, but Martinez routinely put himself in those positions to make those tackles, which is a credit to his football acumen within the box. Yes, he's not the athlete of some of these other linebackers like Devin White, Isaiah Simmons, Roquan Smith, but he's a smart leader who's good in the box, and he's going to upgrade the run game at that second level. And I'm not sure how the Giants can use him in man coverage. I didn't see him through the Packers film analysis guard a lot of tight ends down the field in man coverage. Obviously, zone he played zone coverage a lot for them, for Mike Pettin. But I think the Giants will probably utilize a lot of like three safety looks and things along those lines. And I, I kind of hope the Giants still add a really athletic linebacker, someone like maybe Akeem Davis-Gaither if they miss out on Isaiah Simmons. That's a kid from App State. So that would be amazing. Might be a pipe dream, but crazier things have happened. And that would probably be at pick 99 is what are what I'm imagining for Akeem Davis Gaither. But uh, yeah, I mean, I, you see some of the other contracts that were divvied out. Nick Kwiatkowski, who is somebody that I was a fan of. He's a little bit more athletic than Blake Martinez. He got seven million a year from the Vegas, the Vegas team, the Vegas Raiders. And he's a little bit better in coverage than Martinez. But I think 
as we know, Gettleman, he puts a high precedent on experience and leadership at the college level and in pre-agency. And he valued Martinez leadership experience at a high level. And that's one of the reasons why he gave out that contract. And then Fackrell, love that signing too. Um, do you want to get a word in, Pat? <laughs> no, <laughs> you're doing such a great job here. Go on. <laughs> okay. Uh, I, I like the signing of Fackrell too. He's a 27-year-old at 10 and a half sacks. And Patrick Graham, uh, with Patrick Graham as his linebackers coach in 2018. Granted, he's an outside linebacker, but there's a lot of cross uh, coaching going on uh, that level of the de- defense. And to me, this is just a low risk, high reward, similar to kind of Marcus Golden's deal last year. I mean, Fackrell has all the incentive in the world to perform, and the Giants have all the needs in the world at edge right now. Like, I love Lorenzo Carter's potential. I like that draft pick, and I think O'Jean Zimenez flashed a lot in his rookie season but neither has put any consistency forward to really encourage us Giants fans that our edge position is set. And lacking a pass rush is going to significantly hinder the ability for the secondary to just cover. I mean, that's just football one-on-one, really. And these, if these young cornerbacks are being burnt, then they're going to lose confidence and lose faith in coaches, and things will just start to fall apart. And by adding Fackrell, you're bringing in a familiar face for the defensive coordinator, which is a solid thing. We've seen the Giants do that over the last couple of years. But he has a lot of upside because he has that past of producing at a solid level. And last year in 2019, one reason why he didn't was because the Packers added Preston and Zadarius Smith. So Fackrell's play was kind of more of a situational role. And I watched this film and he wins in different ways versus the pass. I mean, his favorite move is the long arm technique, which is when a pass rusher uses his inside arm to stab the chest of offensive tackles while keeping that outside hand open to grab cloth, which is something you're always taught to keep it open, grab cloth, do what you got to do or to swap that outside arm of the tackle downward. The long arm is usually a sort of setup move used in conjunction with another pass rushing move, like the rip or the swim. And Fackrell has combined that long arm move, which you'll see a lot on the film, with double hand swipes to knock the tackle's arms down, getting them off balance, uses speed to win the edge while uh, using all those moves as well. And Fackrell has flashed effective push pulls and even a hump move, which is basically a power rush. No one really thinks of Fackrell as a power rusher, and but he has shown that on film. He uses that hump move, which is a power rusher move where the pass rusher shoots inside and uses his inside arm to club the side of a blocker and explode through his own hips to kind of lift that blocker off the ground. I mean, I was impressed by the multitude of moves Fackrell used to win in 2018. He has a solid first three steps, uses his burst well, has some bend in his lower half. He's not overly flexible, but he can bend around corners and kind of bend through contact at the top of the pass rushing arc. He does that well while showing he also does a pretty good uh, ability to shoot through the B gap with quickness, which is uh, something that's underrated, to be honest, as is a signing, in my opinion. It's an underrated signing. But uh, I don't feel he's a number one pass rusher. I don't feel like a lot of people feel that way whatsoever. So he's more of a complimentary pass rushing piece. But um, I feel like he did a solid job against the run. I should probably mention that as well. He did a solid job against the run in the film that I saw. And a uh, good hustle kind of player, but he does have the moves to win in the pass rush. And, I mean, he has that juice that you're really looking for. So why not bring him in on this cheap deal? I really uh, like that deal. And the re-signing of uh, Cody Core, love that. Um, the franchise tag of Leonard Williams, want a long-term deal to be worked out with Leonard Williams, $16 million, a little slightly north of $16 million, kind of a lot for uh, Leonard Williams right now going up against the cap this year on that franchise tag. But uh, I, I've been a big fan of Leonard Williams' game. I don't think he has the statistics to back that up, but I do feel like he is a disruptive player in both the run and the pass phases. Gets a lot of pressures, uh, 
forces the quarterback off his spot. I just feel like if he's combined with a really good pass rusher, it could kind of maximize his skill set as an interior rusher. But I know a lot of Giants fans are kind of down on him. I still think at his age, there's still a lot of upside, a lot of potential that can be tapped. But I don't like what's going on with him and the team as of right now. Levine Toy Lolo, I think that addition, two years, uh, four million, slightly north of four million. Uh, that's going to be a blocking tight end for, it's kind of replaced Rhett Ellison. But uh, he's a really big body who can kind of, I mean, he's not a reception artist whatsoever. He's basically strictly a blocker. But uh, he will definitely help the run game, uh, even the pass game. He has really actually nice feet for a tight end. And he can mirror defensive ends. He's shown that ability. But again, he's, he's just more of a situational kind of player. Maybe somebody you can use in goal line packages because he is six foot eight. And then bringing in Cam Fleming as a swing tackle for Mark Colombo. I like that deal a lot just because he has starting experience. He has familiarity with Colombo. Colombo was able to kind of get a decent amount out of Fleming. And he's really, really cheap. And the Giants just need bodies on the offensive line, competent bodies on the offensive line. And Colt McCoy can just compete with Alex Tanley. Tanny, smart player. Uh, obviously, uh, been around the league for a while and has actually shown competent quarterback play in the past. So I like the addition of that and just bringing in special teams players is something I'm always going to be a fan of. So Nate Ebner signing is something I like as well. And there you have it, folks. Did I not tell you that Nick is tremendous? What an amazing <laughs> breakdown, Nick. Thank you. Take a glass of water for that. Yeah, I got um, me some my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that was tremendous. But, um, Nick, when we come back after this break, I want to talk about how free agency has set up the Giants break. So Giant fans, stay with us. We're going to take a quick break, come back, and then we're going to turn to segment two. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked On Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you, and I'm joined by Nick Filato. He is a writer for GiantsCountry.com, does a really, really tremendous and thorough breakdown of film. You can check out his work at GiantsCountry.com. He also contributes to Big Blue View and um, one of the brightest uh, young analysts coming up who, who does film. And if you were into the X's and O's and, and you know, not necessarily the, like the technical stuff, but he just does a really good job of explaining it and putting it in simple terms that anybody can understand. I know some of you guys have written to me and said, hey, you know, I don't understand the, the complex language. Nick breaks it down and gives it to you really simple so make sure you come and you check out his work. It's on GiantsCountry.com and Big Blue View. So, all right, Nick, let's talk about how the Giants free agency activity has set up the draft. Because if we go back to the combine, Dave Gettleman, the general manager, said at the time that free agency would likely set up the draft. Now, obviously, they go best available. They're, they're putting their board together. But how do you see the remaining needs that this team has. Actually, let's start with the remaining needs. And then how do you see what they did in free agency setting up what they might do in the draft? Yeah. So if you look at the remaining needs of the Giants, obviously depth is always a need with this team. We've seen Giants not have depth, but if we're looking at the pressing needs, you have a glaring need at offensive tackle right now. Nate Solder was a more of a liability last year. I know he's a great guy, but it just did not work out. And he's more than likely going to be released next season when the cap number is significantly down. So you're looking for a long-term left tackle and you do need a right tackle at the same time. So you have those needs. You still need a deep safety, somebody who can play middle of the field, closed, single high cover one type of safety or cover three if you're in that but cover one safety with that kind of range they're very very hard to come by i think there's some guys in the draft that are probably going to be drafting on day two who could be available 
and could fill that role at a decent level. And then there's uh, Edge. You still need an Edge rusher right now, and the Giants probably played their way out of Chase Young, so that might not happen. I feel like there's a couple other Edge prospects who might be around late in day one and maybe early in day two that can help and I to help the Giants. And I do feel like the Giants still need a linebacker. You can look at wide receiver and say maybe they can add a big body there, and you definitely need an offensive center. So you look at this team, there's still a lot of holes on this team. And like you said, Gettleman said that free agency is going to set up the draft. Well, if he actually means that, which obviously you got to take everything with a grain of salt, but if he does mean that, that points to the offensive tackle position. And you have four offensive tackles right now that I would say are better than offensive tackles that have been in the past few drafts. A lot of these got like, you don't usually get a draft where you have four tackles that can be drafted in the top 20, top 15. And you have it this year. Interest in Worth from Iowa, Jedrick Wills from Alabama, Georgia's Andrew Thomas and Louisville's Makai Becton. So you have all of these players. Now the Giants are at four. There might be a need by the Panthers or the Chargers to jump up and take a quarterback. And with that Darius Slay trade from the Lions, hopefully that locks them in on and they fall in love with someone like Jeffrey Okuda. And then Okuda and Trufant can kind of do their thing up there in Detroit. The Giants would be a valuable trade piece. And hopefully Gettleman, who doesn't do this often, would execute a trade and get more assets because the Giants traded away a damn third-round pick for Leonard Williams in the midseason. So getting more assets is something that I hope will happen. But if we're not talking about the trades and we're just talking about the people, there are four tackles that Gettleman can study and then come to uh, find which one that he really loves and he can try to get in in that top ten. But if they're going best player available, it's Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons is a freak. He fills so many different needs. He can he has the range to play that single high safety. It, it's incredible. I, I watched um, Louisville and Clemson last night, and I was doing some work on Makai Becton, and obviously playing up against Isaiah Simmons. Isaiah Simmons was covering slot receivers uh, from middle of the field to the sideline. Just so much range, so much ability. So he's very smart too. Is another thing. He's incredibly smart. He sees blocks develop and then he reacts and he'll go around them like on stunts and loops on things that weren't designed but he puts himself in position to succeed Isaiah Simmons would be the best player available if he is there at four but the Giants need to find a tackle and you aren't always picking in the top five and you have tackles aplenty sitting there so which one do you want to go after Dave Gettleman and that's kind of the uh, that's going to be something that sets up the rest of the draft. The Giants don't go tackle, or if they do go tackle, it's going to set up the rest of the draft. And I can see the Giants. You have those left tackle types like Andrew Thomas and Mackay Beckton are more traditionally left tackles, whereas Wirfs and Wills, who I feel like can play left tackle, maybe even though their arms are a little bit shorter and they didn't do it in college, they were right tackles for their respective teams. But I can see Dave Gettleman falling in love with Tristan Wirfs because he is so explosive. He is so athletic. You, I can just like envision it in my head, a screen game with Wirfs and Saquon Barkley and getting Wirfs into space. Now, my overall evaluation and like the film that I've watched, I seen like Jedrick Wills to me is the safer, the safest pick among the tackles because he's just a pure technician. His feet in pass protection are so good. Everything just flows so naturally with him. He has a very strong punch, elbows tight, usually gets his hand inside of the uh, where it needs to be. He doesn't come around outside to kind of hug the, the tackles which or to the defensive players, which we've seen in the past from Giants tackles. So, I mean, Jedrick Wills to me is, is probably the safest 
But then you got guys like Makai Becton who have immense upside because his movement skills combined with his size are just absolutely ridiculous. Worst is just an explosive athlete. He's a very good player in his own right as well. You see why the Giants would be interested in him. And then Andrew Thomas is kind of that prototypical left tackle, very, very powerful. I've seen some his some footwork issues with him, but he's another player that's probably going to be very good in this league. So the Giants just have so many options at that four spot. And even if they trade back, they could still land one of these guys if they all have similar grades from the Giants front office. So that would be my goal is to trade back and and get as many day two assets as you can because day two is loaded in this draft and then land somebody like Werfs. But when you look at the second round, uh, you got Julian Okwara, the player that I took in the Giants country mock draft. But I'm hoping Zach Vaughn is going to be there at pick 36. I could see a team like the Ravens or the Patriots or the Eagles or somebody late in the draft kind of scooping him up because he's a player that's going to go to a smart team who knows how to get the most out of him. But Zach Vaughn, for those of you who do not know, is an edge slash linebacker prospect out of Wisconsin. And he played in Jim Leonard's uh, really aggressive defensive system that Ryan Connolly was in last year. And he's an incredibly smart, decisive player who has pass rushing moves, can rush the passer, did it at college, but he can also play off-ball linebacker. So that kind of fills two needs, and he would be a welcome addition to the New York Giants. So I'm hoping he gets there at 36th to mock draft. I did for GiantsCountry.com. He wasn't there. So I went with Julian Okwara, who has some injury concerns, but he's a bendy, explosive, high athletic upside kind of prospect out of Notre Dame. So I would not be disappointed with that. He just needs to stay healthy. And a lot of people were talking about Okwara in the top 20 before the end of the season. And then you know how these things go with the draft. There's ebbs and flows. And now he's more falling to the second round. But I'm not sure if he's going to be there, especially with the dearth of talent at the edge position in the draft. Because you have those, you have Chase Young, you have the Zach Bond, the Uter Gross Mottos from Penn State. Uh, you have the Julian Aquars from Notre Dame. Sorry if I'm missing anybody or leaving anybody out. But then it kind of dries up a little bit. And you have a little bit more higher project kind of guys and not guys who may kind of contribute right away. So. I really, um, the Giants are going to have a lot of, a lot of decisions to make on which direction they want to go. If they go with, if they go with someone like Simmons, will they snag Lucas Nyang, the ta- the tackle from TCU, or even Austin Jackson, which I would not be a fan of from USC at pick 36. So it's, can they double up the defense and really just kind of hone in on that defense and kind of rebuild that unit? If they go Simmons and Bond or something like that, I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to even that, but I do feel like just at my core, I'm like the Giants are going to go tackle and they kind of need to. It would be the prudent thing to do to add a tackle right now to this team with the young quarterback, with the young running back, because the future of the tackle positions for the Giants is so up in the air and you're picking at a point where you can get four of them. So why not execute that and get that pick? Nick, I'll tell you what, if the Giants don't trade down in this draft, I'm just going to I don't know. I mean, the conditions are are perfect. I mean, and especially you look at what the Lions did. Now, I know there was talk that the Lions might throw a monkey wrench into the to the equation. Maybe they pass on Akuda after trading uh, Darius Slay to the Eagles. I, I don't see how they pass on Akuda at uh, at their drop at their draft spot. I mean, the Giants got to trade down. I mean, you've got too many quarterback needy teams. And realistically speaking, where do you see the most, um, <clears throat> excuse me, logical 
uh, scenario for the Giants materializing. I mean, a lot of people say, well, why would Miami trade up one spot? Um, and I can see that happening, you know, especially if the Giants can give off the impression that, that you know, maybe the Chargers are trying to get ahead of Miami. But realistically speaking, if you're the Giants, what to you represents the best move if they have the opportunity to trade down? Yeah, it's hard to say with the Panthers because they just gave a huge deal to Teddy Bridgewater. But, you, um, well, I'm trying to think of the uh, team that picks. It's the... It's the uh, you have the char- you have the dolphins and then the team that's right after them. I just had it in my brain and it just slipped to be honest. So whatever team that is, you have the Chargers. Or so who's picking at that? That not Patty. I forgot which team that was. It was just in my head though. <laughs> what order are you looking for? So you got the dolphins and then that team right after them and then uh, the you got the dolphins. At five, the Chargers at six, Carolina's at seven. Yeah. And then okay, the so next Carol- quarterback yeah. media team would be, I don't know if you want to count Jacksonville, but um, I would say the Raiders are probably the next quarterback needy team after that. Yeah, after that trade with Nick Foles, I'm not sure how they actually view Gardner Minshew in the, in the uh, but they, they, they need things too. They might kick Cam Robinson inside, so they might even need a tackle. But the, I look at the Panthers. I'm not sure what they're doing with the Teddy Bridgewater thing. So you're not sure if they're actually going to go with a quarterback if they're de- dealing out that deal with Joe Brady there as the offensive coordinator. But the Chargers are the team that you're really going to look at. They All they have is Tyrod Taylor right now. And they sign Brian Bulaga, and they trade away Russell Wilkong. They get Trey Turner from the Panthers, another curious move by the Panthers. But they may go, at, they may go tackle there, may go long-term tackle there, but they also may – want to trade up and get that quarterback. That's, I think, a realistic spot right there. And that's the spot that I hope the Giants trade back to if it isn't the Dolphins and doing one of those just like, we're going to trade up one spot to ensure that you get them kind of thing and you get a couple assets. Because trading back just two spots, you're still going to land one of those top tackles. And that's what the Giants are going to want if they're not going with best player available, if they're not going with Isaiah Simmons. You trade back two two spots and you were able to still get probably your top-rated tackle. Or maybe, because obviously the Chargers would be trading up for a quarterback. They're not trading up for a tackle. So, and the Dolphins could realistically sit there if, say, the Chargers take the quarterback that they want, which I'm not sure with the firepower that they have in the draft, the Dolphins, that is. They're not going to allow anybody to jump them uh, for a quarterback. If they are really in love with the quarterback, they could select the tackle. But you you would still have three tackles on the board that you would, or realistically, you know, we're not 100% sure what's going to happen in the draft, but you'll still have those three tackles that you can choose from so that's where i would say i would say that the chargers are the team that you're really looking at and i don't think dave gettleman wants to trade too far back and he's kind of alluded to that as well so i don't think he would trade back with the raiders or maybe even the jags at nine i don't know if he would uh he would even do that so i would have to say that the realistic trade back spot for the giants to get a couple day two picks get some value while also getting the player that they probably really want is going to be the chargers if it's not the dolphins Interesting. I, you know, I'm going to put this to you because I was discussing this with another guest. If the Raiders came to the Giants and you're the GM and they said, look, we'll give you both our first round picks. And I think that they are picking at 12 and I want to say 19. Let me see. 12. Yes. And 19. Do you make that trade? The rate uh, 12 and 19. See, the, an offensive tackle might still be available there. And all I'm getting is 12 and 19. I can't extract a day two pick out of these guys. Well, I mean, look, you, I, in an ideal world for me, 
I would want it. If I were trading back, I would want, you know, obviously a third round pick. I would want a high third round pick. But if I got two first round picks, maybe I take, you know, if, if I make the trade with the Raiders, I take that pick at number 19 and I trade back again and I pick up more assets. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'll, if I'm, it, it's going to come down to how Dave Gettleman values these tackles. And if you are up there at 12, you could still possibly land one of those four tackles, get another first round pick. I mean, it's definitely something that I would seriously entertain but you're probably counting yourself out of maybe two or three of those top tackles and also Isaiah Simmons. So that's going to have to be a pill that you swallow because you, you could probably, you definitely get Zach Bond or someone like that at 19, but I, I would like to add as many assets and probably get as much value, especially if I'm bidding teams against each other. Like if the Raiders are coming to the giants, then the giants can be like, well, you know, the Chargers are talking to us, they're offering us, you know, you really could kind of put, the Raiders in a bidding war against other teams for that high value pick at four, which the Giants had. It's a high value pick, especially if the if the Lions do go with Okuda. Then the team should really want with Justin Herbert and Tua Tonga Vailoa, if these teams are in love with them as quarterback prospects. With Tua, it's a whole situation right now because he can't work out and teams can't have their doctors see him because of everything going on with the Nobel coronavirus. But teams are seem to be loving these two quarterbacks right now. Jordan loves another wild card, but I'm, I'm not entertaining him right now in the top 10 or the top five, I should say, with the Giants pick at four. So if you could pit teams against each other, that would be amazing. Because the Giants just need assets. The Giants need, because Dave Gettleman's done, what Dave Gettleman's done well is find good value later in the draft. He did it last year twice in the fifth round with Ryan Connolly, with Darius Slayton. And He's also, Lorenzo Carter has developed, BJ Hull has developed, but those guys are third round picks and they showed flashes that are positive. So he's kind of nailed later round draft picks so far as the Giants general manager. And he even did with the Panthers, especially on the offensive line, which is something I hope he does here with the Giants. But I would, uh, I would like the uh, Giants to really try to get as much value for those picks because Justin Herbert and uh, Tua, those are uh, two players that hopefully the Raiders would be interested in in this theoretical scenario. Uh, and really can just uh, take as many picks as as we can to replenish the Leonard Williams trade and help replenish this roster that still has a lot of holes. We're listening to Locked on Giants with Patricia Trena and special guest Nick Filato. He's a writer for GiantsCountry.com, also for Big Blue View. We're going to take our final break. When we come back, we're going to talk value and day three steals. So stay with us. Welcome back, Giant fans, to Locked on Giants. Patricia Trainer here with you and Nick Filato, who is one of the writers over at GiantsCountry.com, the site that I am the site manager for, is on the line with me. He also contributes to Big Blue View. He has a podcast, and at the end of the program, he's going to give you all the information where you can find all his tremendous work. Check him out. He's really, really good, and I'm so thrilled to have him on the podcast. I'm so thrilled that he's, he's contributing to the site. Nick, let's talk um, day three and particularly draft values. Now, when we get to day three, usually anything goes. It, it, it almost, I don't want to say becomes a free-for-all because that's probably not a fair way of putting it, but there are so many more opinions that pop up Right now, you know, as you look at the draft prospects, who are some of the really good value picks that you think might be there in day three that could potentially fill a need? Yeah, so I mentioned one before, and I'll go to our mock draft at GiantsCountry.com. With that 99th selection, I drafted Akeem Davis-Gaither out of Appalachian State, and he's that athletic 
uh, athletic linebacker who I feel like the Giants could use in man coverage to cover tight ends and kind of operate as that man coverage linebacker that they don't necessarily have at the moment. That would be an amazing value if he's there in round three, which is a day two pick, but I don't necessarily see that. If this scenario ever developed round four, Jeremy Chin out of Southern Illinois, he's a safety. I don't believe that's going to happen, but in this mock draft, he was there at pick 110. And Jeremy Chin, I don't feel like he's going to be available whatsoever because he is an athletic, explosive freak. He's about 221 pounds, like 6'1". He went down to the senior bowl and I had a conversation with him. Seems like a really bright young kid, but he's a player that has kind of skyrocketed up boards. He played at an FCS level, so he didn't really get the notoriety that a lot of the other prospects who play in Power 5 schools get. But Chin is somebody who opened eyes down there and opened eyes at the Combine. And I mean, what, he had a 41-inch vertical at the Combine, 138-inch broad jump, ran a 4.45. I mean, he had tests in the 90s or above percentile for the safety position. And he's somebody I feel like that can jump up the day too. So he's not going to be there. But in round five of that mock draft, that tongiantscountry.com, you guys should all go and visit it and click on the mock draft. My name is Nick Filato. Anyways, Tavon Wallace, who's a safety at a Clemson. I feel like he is somebody who could fill that single high role if he gets a little bit more spun up on angles and things like that. But I think he has the athletic ability to uh, – and the athletic traits to have the range to play single high safety. So he's somebody that I feel like uh, would be an excellent add a little bit later in the draft. But again, I feel like he's going to get pushed up because he has those traits that can be developed to have the range to play single high safety. But on that mock draft, they were available. Now there are other players that I feel like the giants are going to be interested in. And uh, in day three players like Logan Wilson, I know the Giants just added linebackers. I thought he was somebody who always jumped out as a day three value for me. He's the linebacker out of Wyoming. He does an excellent ability kind of breaking down what he sees in front of him, scraping over the top of blocks, handling blocks at the point of attack by stacking and shedding with his big hands and just tossing players. Doesn't Again, though, he's not like an Akeem Davis Gaither kind of athlete, so that might be working against him, and people might think it's redundant if the Giants go in that direction. Uh, because they just signed Blake Martinez, but I feel like he is somebody that is uh, unique. I think the cornerback out of Iowa, he's a boundary corner, Michael Ujumudier. I got that out. Uh, he's somebody who uh, sees the field real well, kind of like James Bradbury, but he might be sliding down boards. I just haven't heard his name as much, but I feel like he's a solid player, and I just watched some of his film after just doing some Tristan Worth, so he's somebody who's kind of been jumping off to me um, on the defensive side of Iowa's football. Team. And then as for wide receiver, I don't think Chase Claypool, who just blew up the combine, is probably going to be around. But I think Michael Pittman Jr. at a USC is somebody that the Giants should really be uh, looking at maybe in round three, which isn't necessarily day three, but it's still round three. And he's just a really big wide receiver. He's six foot four, 220 pounds, really, really strong at the catch point. He was also down at the senior bowl and showed up really well. He's a, just a big body that I feel like can fill that X role in Jason Garrett's offense. So I think the Giants uh, could entertain that. I look at uh, Tyler Beattis from Wisconsin. He was being talked about in the first round last year, and he kind of had a down 2019, but he's the center from Wisconsin. And he, because he had that down 2019, a lot of people aren't talking about him, but we've seen Wisconsin offensive linemen just go into the league and all not all, but a lot of them just have success and he has a track record on tape. So you bring him in and he can work with Mark Colombo. Giants really need center help. I feel like that could be a, a pretty solid ad by the Giants. And then I look at the edge position because the edge position is 
something that I've been we've been talking about. The Giants need to upgrade later on in the draft. I don't I don't believe Josh Uche will be around. He's the edge rusher from Michigan. He's not going to be around. Terrell Lewis probably won't be around. But I look at Jonathan Grenard and Jabari Zuniga, both edges from Florida. Grenard transferred from Louisville to Florida in 2019, and he really showed up. I'm a bigger fan of Grenard. I feel like he's going to go before Zuniga, but those are two names to kind of pay attention to. They can both rush the pass. They can both play against the run. They're solid overall players. They both don't really have the uh, athletic traits on film that you really look for, even though Zuniga went down to the combine and he did it incredibly well but i think those are interesting names in the uh grenard is going to go above the name like i said before but they're interesting names a little bit later on uh daryl taylor out of tennessee has some red flags uh reportedly i think he did something to one of his teammates and got suspended for it that was back in 2017 but he's six foot four 260 pounds show some burst show some bend he's the edge rusher from tennessee i think that's an, a solid uh player for the giants to look at uh, later on, especially at the edge position, I think DJ Wanham, he's the edge from South Carolina, six foot five, about 260 pounds. He shows some bends, some bursts. I've liked what he's uh, kind of uh, done on film from the little bit of film study that I did of him just from watching, uh, I want to say it was either Makai Beckton or Andrew Thomas. I watched their game against South Carolina. Yeah, it was Andrew Thomas because Wanham won like two or three reps against him. And I was like, okay, with speed around the edge. So that's something, obviously, Thomas, like I said, his footwork, uh, sometimes it could be a little bit heavy, but he has that length that makes it really hard to kind of get beat by speed. And Wanham was able to do that. So I thought that kind of jumped out at me like, okay, that's somebody to kind of pay attention to a little bit later on in the draft. And then as for offensive tackles a little bit later, you got Ben Barch who might play inside. He's the tackle from St. John's. Now he's went down to the senior bowl and he was dominating one-on-ones and he was just opening eyes down there. And St. John, this isn't the St. John's in a, in New York, this is St. John's, I believe in either like Minnesota or Wisconsin or something like that. But he's definitely a player that uh, I feel like later on in the draft could really be developed a little bit more of a developmental piece, as is Matthew Pert, the off the tackle from UConn. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where he's going to be drafted because he has incredible athletic ability, movement skills, and he's very, very long. He's just very, very raw as a technician. So teams tend to value those guys a little bit higher if they have all the raw traits that you are looking for when it comes to length and athletic ability, movement skills, all those kind of things. Teams tend to value them higher, so they might get pushed up the draft board, but he's somebody that is uh, unique to me in the later parts of the draft. And I'm trying to think of another position that I can kind of hit up, talk about, maybe center. Um, I think Matt Hennessy is probably going to be gone on day two, so he won't be around. We already touched on Biotish. Uh, on the draft, in the uh, in the mock draft, I went with Gage Cervenka out of Clemson. And he's somebody who's going to be around a little bit later. He, I think he like started in like 23 games for Clemson, second team all ACC in 2019. Uh, I mean, a lot of people kind of praise him for his leadership. So I think that could be just a nice developmental piece, somebody who has championship pedigree at the college level that can be had late in day three that the Giants could possibly bring in and hope to get the most out of. Because I think just competition at that center position right now is imperative for the Giants because it's a question mark. Jalapio is not going to be playing for the Giants this year. Spencer Pulley, in the film that I saw of him, I, I feel like there's a lot that he could uh, work on, and it seemed like he was a liability in the games that he played in where Jalapio was out with uh, the minor injuries that he dealt with before the major one he suffered in Week 17. But I do feel like there's a lot of value in this draft that can be had if the Giants, because the Giants are going to have decisions to make. If you go Isaiah Simmons, number one, there's still those tackle holes. you got to bring in tackle talent. you got to address that center position. You still should address linebacker and safety and edge. 
And if you draft a tackle, you still need to find linebacker. You should find an athletic linebacker. You still got to get the edge. You got to get the safety. You got to get the center. So there's a lot of decisions that have to be had by the New York Giants front office. And it's exciting. It's exciting for all of us. I mean, they, they hopefully they can draft a, a safety say in day three, someone like Terrell Burgess from Utah who could play single high or even go with Kavon Wallace if he's still around. You know, and maybe Geno Stone, safety from Iowa. I'm just like naming names are, that are coming to my mind right now. But I hope the Giants get this one right. And I, I have, I, I, I really, I just hope they can uh, get as much value out of this draft as they can. And if they don't, I mean, we're not sure what the future of Dave Gettleman really holds with the New York Giants. So the Giants are going to set up this draft with that first pick. The free agency set up the draft as Gettleman kind of alluded to and he said. So it's going to be either tackle. Do you go base player available? It's, all up in the air right now. It seems like they would go tackle with that first pick. That's if I'm a betting man, that's where I'm going to go. But then what do you do with the pick at 36, the pick at 99, pick at 110, and all the other picks? And hopefully they have more secondary picks. If that trade actually does go down, Patty, that would be lovely. Yes, it definitely would be. And I'll tell you what, if they don't take Isaiah Simmons, I, I, I don't even want to imagine what my, my Twitter feed is going to look like. I mean, I know I have so many people who say, get Isaiah Simmons because I said Simmons can solve literally four different roles um, depending on how you use them. But, you know, it, it's just funny because everybody, <clears throat> excuse me, this time of year has a, um, has an opinion on what they should do. And, you know, then you've got people who say, well, you know, what, what reason do we have to, to believe they're going to get it right? And it's just such a fascinating process because there's so many different directions to go in. Yeah. There's there's so many different directions the Giants can go in, and I'm not going to begrudge them for really going either way. I think adding Simmons is just it would it would mean that it would just be such a big difference maker. And you're right, he fills so many different roles depending on how Patrick Graham would want to use him. It it would be fits for offensive coordinators to try to plan their offense against that defense because you don't know what personnel grouping they're in because he can do so many different things and you could split them you could put them in the box and split them out on the receiver in the slot and he can fill that role you could drop him back into he can do so many different things for your defense so adding him i would love it i would absolutely love it but i look at the future of the tackle position and i'm like uh the giants value one of these tackles really high that might be the direction that they go and i can't really begrudge him for that either patty so it's like uh, it's, it's gonna be fascinating it's gonna be really interesting it definitely is. Nick, final question before we call it a show. I, I just want to revisit something on free agency. Are you surprised that given the fact that the Giants um, don't have really an established pass rusher, that all the top pass rushers were franchise tag, that that they haven't you know made more of an effort, or at least not that we know of, who knows what kind of effort they've actually made, but that Marcus Golden isn't out, is, is still unsigned. Are you, does that surprise you? Or are you thinking that maybe he might not be a fit for what they want to do moving forward? I mean, Marcus, Marcus Golden had a lot of success with James Betcher throughout his career. And I, I didn't necessarily want the Giants to go out and give Marcus Golden like a $15 million contract or something like that. Something that I thought maybe he was going to be looking for, but I love what he gave to the Giants defense, his effective play, and kind of how he embodied being a New York Giant, which is something I've heard from insiders and things like that. And he seemed to really love to be on the Giants. And I did love that. But I didn't necessarily think that Gettleman was going to go in that direction with the defensive change, with his age, with his injury history. And 
he had what 10 sacks this season you watch through some of the sacks a lot of them are hustle sacks i think two of them were unblocked sacks a lot of them were sacks against younger players and i'm not taking i don't want to take anything away from marcus golden whatsoever but i know teams look at how they win and things like that they don't just look at the stat sheet and see they see how did they win and he wasn't winning in those um ways where you put multiple moves together and beat like high level tackles like tyron smith or something like that but i'm a little surprised that they didn't allocate as much money towards that position but I look at the top talent that wasn't franchise tagged at the edge position in free agency, and you're like, uh, Jadavian Clowney, I know he's only missed a couple games in his career, but he's played through so many injuries that have hindered his play. So I'm like, there's just question marks. There's a reason this guy's been on two teams in two years. There's a reason why Seattle isn't rushing to resign him. So I, I didn't think Gettleman would fall in love with that Jadavian Clowney kind of player. So I see why they allocated their money in other Spots and they can hope they can develop these young edge pass rushers, which it's Carter and O'Shane. And to me, like I had this little like this little like thought maybe that the Giants were like a little hope I should say because I didn't necessarily think it, but maybe the Giants were waiting to land a big deal with Leonard Williams, a longer term deal, keep him under contract, lower his 16 million cap right now. Maybe you can structure that contract in a way to where that would happen, which is possible. And then they would bring Marcus Golden in on the deal that that he deserves, but maybe somewhere around, you know, 10 or 11, something like that. Not something that's like 15, maybe even nine, depending on what he's, what he's willing to accept. I was hoping that was going to happen. So you can bring golden back, but golden has had success in that one system. That's no longer here. And I, the giants are probably going to go in another direction. It seems like right now, but nobody else is biting at his market. So what is his market actually made up of is some another thing that you got to think about. I, I love what he offered for this team, but at the same time, I can see why the giants are parting ways from him. Cause I didn't see the giants going after someone like Dante Fowler and trying to investing a lot of money in him. Damien Clowney, like I said before, has some of those question marks and then everyone else who was it? Shaq Barrett. He was franchise tagged, uh, but Dupree, Yannick and Gakway, they were, they were all slapped with tags. So I, I can see why the, uh, the giants definitely had that need at edge, but they don't have the money to really allocate right now. And, you know, Gettleman said in a press conference a while ago that he wanted to keep like 20 million to restructure and resign some of the veterans on the team throughout the season. But, after this draft class comes in, you sign all that draft class, it's going to be like, what, $12 million or something along those lines. It, they're not going to have that much money. So I don't know how flexible it's going to be if you don't restructure this franchise tag of Leonard Williams. And uh, just, I mean, they already cut bait with basically everybody they, they could. I mean, Spencer Pulley somebody that you could cut bait on, save a little bit of cash, but you need him at center right now because you don't have a center. So there's a lot of um, unknown with that, I would say. But um, I know Marcus Golden, that's a, that's definitely a player that played admirably for the Giants, and uh, we're going to miss him because he was our best pass rusher this season as a New York Giants fan. But uh, it doesn't seem like, as of right now, he's coming back. Hopefully they can work out something, and hopefully that thought that I had with Atlanta Williams and Marcus Golden's common thought among a lot of Giants, and hopefully that would come to fruition because I still think there's a lot of value there, even though Betcher's not there, but just not at like $15 million a year. No, definitely not. I mean, and that, you know, right now, cap-wise, they're still in okay shape. You know, they you look at what they need for their draft class. I know initially it looks like they need about 13 million, but they need a little less than that. If you look at functional cap space, but I think overall they're pretty much done with the first wave of free agency. And I can see them kind of turning their attention now to the draft. You might see one more signing if that much, but uh, you know, it, it, it remains to be seen. And over on giants country, we have a couple of stories up about how they, you know, 
these new pieces are going to be used. Uh, I think you contributed a story as well on, um, gosh, we have so many stories going on. It's, it, it's amazing. So folks do check out the site, but you have, uh, in addition to your mock draft, um, your mock seven round giants mock draft. I think you did a story. Uh, you did your film, st- um, stories. Um, I'm just checking to see there's, a, I know I saw another story. Yeah. So yeah, we check them out. Check out giantscountry.com folks, because again, a lot of great stuff, Nick, before we call it a show, tell everybody where they can find you on social media and any other work that I missed, uh, in the beginning of the show. Yeah. So you can find me on social media on Twitter at Nick Falato. That's N I C K F A L A T O. And I do a podcast with CBS's Dan Schneier. It's an all 22 breakdown podcast. It's called Big Blue Banter. You can find it anywhere. And basically we, we do it year round. It's not just to break down the all 22, but we break down the all 22. We talk about the traits of the players. It's more of a informative educational, uh, podcasts from fans and dan obviously works in the uh, nfl as an editor or something like that for cbs so we're really uh, I, I used to coach so we we've been around the game both of us and uh, we we express it through a fan's lens and uh, try to make it easy for you guys to understand what we're seeing and just talk about it because not everyone sits there for hours watching all 22 like him and i do so that's a really cool thing we have a lot of great guests coming to the podcast again it's big blue banter uh, this off season to talk draft, to talk free agency. So it's been, it's been a lot of fun and uh, you should go check it out. It's big blue banter. And again, Twitter, Nick Falato. come, come holla at me. We can talk some shop. We can uh, slide in the DMS. You can talk to me about some football, you know, talk to me about whatever. I mean, we have a lot of time on our hands these days, don't we? Yes, we do. And you know, the other article I was, I was stumbling to find and I see it hasn't published yet, but it's scheduled to publish today is your plan on how the Giants free agency activity set up the giraffe. I knew there was, there was something I was looking for before that I was stumbling over, but that article is also coming out today. So really a lot of great stuff from Nick and the rest of the GiantsCountry.com writers that I hope everybody will check out. Nick, thank you again for coming on and spending the time that you did with us today. Giant fans, thank you for listening. Hope everybody out there is staying safe, getting through this uh, very challenging and unique time. And um, we will be back tomorrow. And uh, just one last thing before we say goodbye, Twitter Thursday this week, you know the routine, get your questions in. And we will do a massive um, uh, Twitter mailbag here on the podcast. So make sure you're tagging them. Ask P-Train for Nick Filato. This is Patricia Traina, and we wish you a good day. <laughs>